Well, good morning. I didn't realize my mic was on, and I heard myself say over the, well, let's go do this. <laughs> so let's do this. Man, how's everybody doing today? Are y'all awake? Man, y'all should be, man. Uh, do we all have an incredible worship team? Yeah. And, and let me say this. Uh, man, our, our camera crew, man, the things that we've been doing, our sound, lights, media. Come on, let's give it up for them. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you today the message that I feel like God has uh, laid on my heart. Uh, it's to me as much as it is to any of you. Uh, I, I'm going to start out uh, with a question. In fact, I'm going to just dive right in. One, one man, how long have you been hanging out at the house every once in a while? Man, I'm just so glad to see you here today. Thank you for coming, bro. Thank you for coming. Uh, but with a question and a confession, my wife always gets nervous when I say I'm doing a confession. Um, here's the question. Anybody tired? I mean, we were talking this morning. Paul came into the office back there, and, we're, and uh, he asked me how I was doing. I said, well, I started to say tired, but then I remembered what I'm preaching today. But tired has kind of become the byword. Like, we say fine. Now, I'm just, I'm tired, man. And it's become acceptable, right? So, but tired, we're tired. Uh, here's my confession. There's one of the ten, ten Commandments that I break a whole lot. Some of y'all are, I knew he was a thief. <laughs> I know he killed somebody and buried them out back. I knew it. No, the, the commandment I break a whole lot is the third commandment. Anybody know what it is? Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Man, I break that a whole, whole stinking lot. Uh, you, you've got, but it's funny to me because you've got all these thou shalt nots, right? Thou shalt not kill, steal, commit adultery, take the Lord's name in vain. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't covet what they have, including their wife. Got to put that in there. Uh, honor your father and mother. And then, hey, also remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Why would God think, hey, in all these things to tell people what not to do, why do I need to put in there, hey, remember the Sabbath day. God's keep it holy. But let's be honest. In today's culture, we think it's really not feasible for us to have a Sabbath day. To us, our Sabbath day is when we go to church. I just tell you, Sunday's not my Sabbath day. I wore my tail off every Sunday trying to get something out of you folks. Y'all couldn't make it a lot easier. Amen. Even if it's just a pity amen every now and then, I'd enjoy that. Thank you. I think, I'm not sure, but I think you're going to hell for that right there. So, so, but, come on now. But it's honest. Uh, we don't think it's important. Uh, we don't really know what real rest is. I was doing some research this week. Uh, in US, USA Today in April of this year, their article was this. This is America. We're all still tired. 
And here's what uh, the, the guy for uh, one of the direct, senior director of healthcare innovation in America, he said this, emotional exhaustion is this sense of overwhelmingness, overwhelmed to the point, get this, where you feel like you don't have the capacity to deal anymore. Anybody there on the verge of it? It's okay to say you are. I realize when we come to church, we've been trained to say, how are you today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Praise God. While all hell is breaking loose back home, and we just drove to, we just drove to church playing slap with our kids all the way here. Come on. <laughs> but anybody feel overwhelmed? Pew Research Center said this, Americans' news fatigue isn't going away. Two-thirds of Americans say they are fatigued and tired because of the news they hear. Get this, National Safety Council. 76% of Americans say they feel tired from the moment they go into work. 53% say they feel less productive now. 44% say they have trouble focusing. Deborah Herman, president and CEO of the National Safety Council, says this. These findings are literally a wake-up call. When we're tired, we can put ourselves and others at risk. New York Post in May of last year said this, 65% of Americans surveyed rarely feel rested and energized. Hmm. I'm going to read some things uh, and tell me if any of these describe you or feel this way. And feel free to laugh because I worked really hard on these. I get tired from just thinking of everything I've got to do. Um, I'm still tired from yesterday's tired, and I've already used up tomorrow's tired. I'm not an early bird or a night owl. I'm some sort of permanently exhausted pigeon. This coffee is broken. I'm still tired. My favorite, I should have saved it for last. I'm so- I'm laughing thinking about it. I'm so tired, the bags under my eyes are bigger than my boobs. Anybody? No, I don't. I'm sorry. Some of the men are like, oh, yeah. And then another, my last one, I feel like putting an out-of-order sticker on my head and just going back to bed. Come on. While those are funny, man, the sad thing is we can relate. A guy in his book, At Your Best, which I'm walking uh, my my pastors through right now, um, Carrie Newhoff said this, workaholism is the most rewarded addiction in the nation. He says you could be fired for drinking too much, but working too much will usually get you a promotion and a raise. So you dump yourself into bed most nights exhausted and got to get up and do it all again tomorrow. Wow. In fact, Carrie's a minister, and one of the things in this book he read that all the pastor says I can relate, he said there were some days when he went through burnout, he said there were some days I woke up thinking, man, a factory job where I just put stuff in boxes would be so much better than what I'm doing right now. And I'm like, man, I can relate because you get burnout. You get tired. Am I being too honest right now? 
Because if I am, I will not back it out. I mean, I'm going all in today because I'm preaching to me. Now, now let me be clear because we're like, the, here, here's my thing. When you look at success, man, uh, Elon Musk, I had this quote I was going to read, read from him because uh, he talked about, hey, and this is his word, so don't get offended. He says, hey, what you have to do is work like hell. He said, put in 80 to 100 hours. That way, at the end of the week, when other people are putting in 40 and you've put in 80 and 100, you've done twice as much work and you'll get to what you want quicker. I think in the world's eyes, he's highly successful. But when you look at his personal life, six kids, one of the kids has got some name I don't think anybody can pronounce. It's X-I-E-O-A-B-C-D. Of course, Leo would know the pronunciation. So, Leo is our brain. But then he's got five failed marriages, a couple other failed relationships. He just ended another relationship. And I wonder, yeah, man, on the outside, all the money in the world, you're a billionaire, you've got all this, but at what cost? At what cost? Now, now I want to be clear. The Bible celebrates working hard. Are you hearing me? Because if you're on a permanent Sabbath, you're lazy. And the Bible, there are scriptures I could pull out about lazy, you know. But because the Bible celebrates working hard, it celebrates the grind. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. And you say, well, what's for the master? There's another verse where Paul says this, whatever you do, do it like you're doing it for the Lord. God gives everybody the, the ability to do some form of work. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid, if you're volunteering, if you're an employee, retired, a student, a student, that's a new word, a student. Whether you work in school, factory, fast food, office, at church, stay-at-home mom or dad, God created uh, us to bring something to the table. Are you hearing me? Some of us say, well, the the work is the result of the fall. The the result of work is because Adam and Eve sinned. No, 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 no. Don't, Don't listen. I know we like to blame the law for everything and say, well, I don't have to do this anymore because that was part of the law. But look at Genesis 2.15 says this, the Lord God took the man, took Adam, put him in the garden of Eden, Eden to do what? Work it. Work it and take care of it. Before there were ever bills to pay, a family to support, kids to put through college, clothes to buy and wear, God put Adam to work. In fact, Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors, said it like this, before God gave Adam britches, he gave him a job. God created us to work, to bring something to the table. Now, I'm about to, man, some of y'all, I'm about to be highly offensive right now. I'm just going to let you know. Because it's absolutely amazing to me in this culture we're living in how many people do not want to work. Thank you. And Stacy's one of the hardest working people I know, so I know that wasn't a pity, amen. He has a hard time finding people that actually want to work. 
There are, there are businesses in this t- 10 mile, Decatur, Spring City, Dayton, Sweetwater, all that have had to limit how many days a week they're opening because they can't find somebody to work. Say, so, yeah, I already finished one. Keisha's gone. Now, Keisha. <laughs> work was not a result of the fall. Now, some of the frustration that comes with it. Absolutely. But we were created to work. But also, guys, we were created to take a Sabbath, take some rest. Truett Caffey, uh, anybody know who he is? He decided to operate his company with a Sabbath day principle. They're open every day with the exception of Sunday. And get this, Chick-fil-A, they generate more money per square foot in six days than all their competition does in seven days. When, when asked what made him do this, here's what Truett Cathy said. I feel it was the best decision I ever made. Why? He chose to operate under God's guidelines. He operated with this principle. Hey, what God can do in six days outweighs what I can get accomplished in seven days. We were called. We were created to work. But we were also called to rest and abide. Check out John 15, 4. Jesus says this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you what? Abide in me. The Greek word, menio, it means this, to stay, to continue to be present, not to depart, but to be held and to be kept. It carries the idea of living in such a way that you are continually connected to the source, Jesus. That's what abide is. You can't abide in a hurry. Are you hearing me? Abiding is about rest in what he has already accomplished and done. Not depending on what you can do or what you're doing. You see there in John 15, 4, he does, Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus says 15, 4, about in me and I and you. The next several verses, Jesus just repeats himself. Verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he withers away. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask whatever and it shall be given. Verse 9, abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Abide, rest in me, rest in me. If you don't rest in me, you can't do anything, he says. Then look what he says after talking about all that abiding in him. This is what he says in verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy. I've told you to abide in me. I've told you to find rest in me. Why? Because I want you to find my joy. I want my joy to be in you and that your joy may be filled. Full. Anybody want some joy in their lives? Abide in him. You know what's amazing to me when it comes to taking a Sabbath day? And I'm talking to a lot of Christians I know, especially businessmen, and not even just businessmen, but that, but, but people that are faithful with their tithing and offering, they'll say, Pastor, I know it, it's been proven. God can do more with my 90% than I can with 100%. I am faithful at tithing. But when it talks about giving God a day, 
I've got so much I got to get done. I've got this to do. I've got this place to go. I've got to take care of this. I've got this. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And what we're saying is, God, I don't think you can do more in six days than what I can do in seven. I trust you with this, but I don't trust you with this. Mm. One of the things I love about the Bible, and y'all have heard me say this, is its realness. When it comes to the heroes of the faith, it doesn't put them up on this pedestal like they're perfect, like they do it, they did it right all the time. And, and one of the passages that, that I love is Jesus had a cousin by the name of John, also known as what? John the Baptist. And it wasn't because he was Baptist. Uh, he Baptist, never mind. Anyway. John had been on a mission from God from the day he came out of the womb. I, I mean, he, he, he was paving. The Bible says John was paving or preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. He's been doing all these things for God. This is why I tell you, even in ministry, you can get worn out, burn out, tired, and weary. And he's been doing all these things for God, preparing the way for his son. He gets thrown in jail while doing the right thing. He's tired. He's worn out. He's weary. And he sends a couple of his disciples. Hey, go ask Jesus a question. Now, he knows who Jesus is, but he's tired and worn out. Look at the question he asked him in John 11, 1 through 3. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Here it is. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, Jesus, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? The NLT says this. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or do we need to look somewhere else? He knows who Jesus is. But see, when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're exhausted, you forget what you really know to be true. You know what I love? He's tired. He's exhausted. He's mentally. Hey, I thought you were the Messiah, but now I'm so weary. I'm not even sure. What I love about Jesus is his response. To, he, he didn't rebuke Jesus' disciples. He didn't say, hey, you go back and tell John, how dare you question who I am? No, he says, he says hey, go back and tell John this. Everything you heard is true. The blind see, the lame walk, the leprosy are healed, deaf are healed, uh, the deaf hear, dead people are raised, good news is being preached. And then Jesus goes on after the disciples leave. Jesus goes, these people that just heard John the Baptist's disciples question who he is, Jesus then goes on to tell them of John the Baptist, none are greater. The, the guy that just questioned who you were? Toward the end of the chapter, Jesus begins to pray a prayer. I have to believe when he starts his prayer, the words of John's disciples that John said are, are echoing through his head. Because here's the prayer Jesus prays, verses 28 through 30 of, of Matthew 11. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 
Have you ever been so exhausted and tired that you fell asleep somewhere and you woke up and didn't even know where you were? Anybody ever played a trick on you or you played on somebody else where someone was so tired and exhausted they decided to give you a mustache with a marker? Or draw funny eyes around, and you get up, and you don't know you you didn't know what was happening, didn't know what was going on. You're walking around thinking everything's great, and people are like looking at you sideways, like, "Well, what's going on with this?" I think that's where we get in life. We're so exhausted, we don't even know what's going on, where we're at. Well, we're walking around, and we've we've got this exhausted look on our face, and people are looking at. And we're like, what's wrong with them? Nothing. Have you looked in the mirror? And Jesus says, hey, come to me. Find rest for your souls. The Greek word for soul is suke or psyche. And here's what it means. Breath, that in which there is life. Come find rest. But here's the definition that Strong's also gives. The mind, the seat of the feelings and desires, affections and aversions. I think for the most part, the exhaustion most Americans are feeling is right here. We're exhausted mentally, emotionally. And Jesus is saying, come to me, find rest for the fatigue in your soul. For what's going on in your head. Come find rest for that, for that, that circumstance, that situation, that blow that your life has taken. Come to me. I love the way the message translates this passage of scripture. He says this, and then maybe you can relate. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Yes, yes, and yes. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then look what he says. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And I'll show you how to live freely and lightly. In other words, find your groove in me. Find your, your some of y'all are wondering, okay, what's this got to getting our groove back? Stay with me. I have to ask, are we living our lives in rhythm with the beat that God set or have we lost, have we come out of sync with the rhythms of God's grace and the groove that he set? See, from an early age, man, I love music. In fact, I cannot remember a time in my life when I did not love music or when I didn't sing or play an instrument. All of my brothers the same way. I remember seeing a video of my older brother, Chris, who pastors down in Birmingham one Christmas morning, had a, stra- had a guitar strapped to him and a cowboy hat on, and that's all he had on. <laughs> that was his last Christmas. No, no, it wasn't. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> He listens to my message every week, so he'll like that. He was the original naked cowboy. 
But we love music. I, I can't remember a time when I didn't sing or play an instrument. It was just part of who I was. My kids are the same way. And now I'm hearing my, my grandkids the same way. At any given moment, you may put Juno to bed, but that does not mean she's going to sleep. You will hear her up there at the top of her lungs. I do not know what song she's singing, but she is singing something. I mean, just going off. It's just in our DNA. Uh, She takes after her mom because this is no lie. And Sheridan may remember this. When we lived down, Sheridan would go in her bathroom, which is upstairs right below where we are living area. She would sing so loud. I know this sounds terrible. As a dad, Shannon, shut up. I can't hear anything down here. Actually, that was her mom telling that because I would never do that. And she gets it. She gets it. Juno gets it after her mom. Uh, even growing up, you know, uh, all, all of them one but married. It's nothing, especially at Christmas time, uh, to, to our kids to get together and just start singing. It's nothing. It's nothing for them, for them and me and Denise and us to be out somewhere during the Christmas season and something all I want for Christmas. They break out in the song and we break out in the dance. It's nothing because it's into our, our DNA. Isn't that embarrassing? Yeah, for you because you don't know how to dance like we do. <laughs> it's just in us. This white boy can dance. No, I cannot. I'll never forget, we, we had just taken this job in Louisville, uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, at a large church. And, uh, you know, our son Zion, how old was Zion? Kindergarten, so whatever age that is. Uh, but uh, don't you, how old was he? Kindergarten. Uh, five or six, thank you. I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even know what ninth, tenth grade is. Give me an age. Uh, but he was like five or six years old, and, and he was used to being able to express himself freely. Well, you know, and so the reason they brought Denise and I up to this large church was they wanted to change the app. They thought they wanted to change the atmosphere and bring in a new, more contemporary worship. And so, very first service was a New Year's Eve service. I'm on keys leading worship. Denise is over here on the team. We're singing, man. We're in that celebrating mode. And I know my son Zion. I see him making his way toward the front. I'm thinking, just sit down. For the love of God, just sit down, son. (laughs) Our first time at this church, just sit down, sit down. No, no, no. He makes his way up on stage. I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 people that night. Come to the, and starts break dancing. <laughs> Come on. And Zion can dance. So, uh, do, you, do you know why he did that? Because it's just part of him, it's in his DNA. He feels the music, man. He, he, he is called, the groove was in him. And I said that to say this. I believe we are all born with a groove, with a rhythm inside of us. We're all born with that rhythm inside. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get ahead. I'm not saying that everybody can dance. And I'm not saying everybody can sing. Come on now. Are you with me? 
but we have got this inside us. And we are designed to, I believe this, we are designed to live within a certain rhythm that God has laid out. I remember taking mom uh, to the doctor for one of her doctor's visits when she wasn't feeling well. And I heard the doctor say, oh, oh, your heart has gotten out of rhythm. Meaning the rhythm that was originally intended for that heart to beat has now jumped and gotten to a bad rhythm, which is affecting her health. And he said this, he said, if your heart doesn't jump back into rhythm on its own, we're going to have to shock it back into rhythm. I feel like that's what's happened to a lot of us. And that's why our health emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually is so bad because our heart has gotten out of rhythm with what God intended it to beat with. Man, what is rhythm? Here, pull, pull the definition up for uh, rhythm. Here's what the definition says. A regular, repeated pattern of sounds or movements, a routine. You know, when God created the world, he did it with a rhythm, with a routine. There was a rhythm to it. I mean, you look at Genesis, and I don't have this in Scripture yet, so hang on. But you look at Genesis 1, 1 through 5, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, God said, let there be light. There was light. Verse 4, God separated the light from the darkness. God, verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness night. Then you jump down to verse 8, and you start seeing the pattern and the routine even more. It says this, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Verse 13, and there was evening and there was morning the third day, verse 19. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day, verse 23. There was evening and there was morning the fifth day, verse 31. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Do you see the rhythm that is, and the routine that is being set here? From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were in this perfect environment, the perfect rhythm, the perfect beat, everything they could ever possibly want or need was there. There was a groove there. God had established. God would come down every day. It says in the cool of the day, walk with them, talk with them, show them how he does it. Two people. Do we have a church bell now? I'm like, did we install a bell that nobody told me? Two people. It could happen. Two people in complete harmony and rhythm with God with one decision they go from a life of complete freedom, a life of intimacy, a life of rhythm and living in that groom to check this out Genesis 3, 7 through 8 then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were open. They realized they were naked. So they, they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why, why, why did they hide? I mean, up to this point, they'd been living their lives naked. Why hide now? I mean, God had been coming down every day. They didn't feel the need to clothe themselves. What happened? Their routine, the rhythm that God set them had jumped beats. 
They got out of sync with God. And from that day to now, men and women have been trying desperately to get back in sync with the rhythm and the heart of God in their everyday lives. Think about it. They didn't have internet. They didn't have TV. They didn't have a boss on their back. No kids sticking their fingers under the bathroom door while you try to get a five-minute break. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. No smartphone. They had everything they could possibly need or want, and still the enemy convinced them it wasn't enough. How many know it's harder than ever to find rest and find peace and to find the rhythm that God intends us to live by? It's harder than ever. Because we all want to be healthy. We all want to be healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually. But it seems so hard to find that place. I mean, think about this. It used to be when I was growing when you left work, you left work. Now, you carry your work everywhere you go. used to be when you left work, if the boss wanted to get a hold of you, good luck. Get me on the landline. Hey, whoever it is, tell them I'm not here. Now you carry that with you everywhere you go. And if you're like me, you set reminders so you don't forget you're supposed to be certain places at certain times. And it's always with you. It's always with you. We got to find our groove, guys. And here, some of you are like, I still don't understand. I've been a musician my whole life. And I can tell you this as Bob and some of the other guys can tell you. There's a place when you're jamming with, with band and with other guys, there's a place you get where you find the pocket. And it becomes so effortless to play. It's like the rest of the band knows where you're going. You know where they're going. And you're just in, you've hit this groove. You've hit this pocket. And, and it just flows effortlessly from you. It's a place where you feel one with your instrument and one with the band. We need to find that in our souls. Where things just flow naturally where we don't have to think so hard about it. We're not stressing uh, over whether we're hitting the right note or hitting the wrong notes. I love the way jazz musicians say this. Is it, there are no wrong notes in jazz. In other words, hey, I'm, whatever I play, it was the right one. But it's hard to find a place in our souls and find the pocket and the groove with all the noise that is going on. Come on, are you hearing me? We'll say things like, well, I just need a few days off. I need a vacation. But here's the truth. You can get away and still not really get away. You know, me and Dee caused me every Sunday to pray with me. And we were talking about this because me and Denise, on the last big vacation we went on, we, we, we decided and intentionally said, we're leaving two days where we don't do anything. Because our, on our vacations... We want to see everything that we can see on that island or wherever we at and do everything. And we're, by the time we get back from vacation, we need a vacation from vacation. And we said, no, we're going to set two days aside. Well, we don't do anything but sit on the, by the side of the pool, sit on the beach, order our virgin uh, daiquiris. I'm saying that for y'all's sake. Uh, or no, no. <laughs> so, so, but we, don't, we just want to, this is what we want to do. And man, 
Man, when we kept, we said, both of us, that was the best vacation we've ever had. In fact, it was so good because we flew with Southwest and we could change our dates without any extra charges. We stayed another night. See, our minds are constantly busy and going places. Instead of taking a break or get away, we are in constant crisis mode trying to figure out what we need to do next. Oh, I need to fix this. I need to fix that. I make sure, need to make sure this is okay. I got to make sure this is done. I got to make sure this is clean. We've got people coming over. I got to make sure the house is clean because God knows they're going to take make sure there's no dust on top of our ceiling fan. So I got to get that. Come on. My wife says, well, I said, baby, the house looks like, you don't see the bathroom. You don't see what, I said, neither will they. And if they do go look into those places, we don't want them in our house. It shouldn't be that we come in here on Sundays, have a great experience with God, and that by Monday afternoon, we are just as stressed as the rest of the world. That shouldn't be the case. We should be living. We should not be living from Sunday service to Sunday service. Are you hearing me? That cannot be the groove or the rhythm that God designed their lives to be in. It cannot. You ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said it yourself, I just feel like I don't even have a life anymore. Come on. Where are my stay-at-home moms at? Dad, dad, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out. Look what Jesus said. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. But Kelly, you don't understand, man. I've got things I've got to get done. I've got people counting on me. I've got to make sure. That, yeah, but Jesus says, hey, hey, hey. Take time to get away with me. And you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. I think us as a community, as a family, and I've talked to several pastors about this, but we need to learn how to take a real rest. I'm not talking about a Sunday afternoon nap, and I am a huge advocate of Sunday afternoons nap. My wife will tell you, I am a professional napper. But I'm talking we need to learn to get away with Jesus, to learn to abide in him, because I don't think we need to sacrifice our health for what we consider success. However you define success. I don't think it's a sustainable. It's sustainable to keep up a pace for others just how to, to see how busy you are. Because honestly, we wear that like a badge. Oh, this week, man, I worked like 60, 80 hours. And we wear that like a badge of honor. How do you find success? The car you drive, the house you live in, clothes you wear, how many followers you have? And listen, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those. But you're not a success if you're constantly working, constantly worrying, constantly anxious, and you've got no time to rest. I think we're never more successful, guys, than we find ourselves in the rhythm that God has set for us and we begin to live in that rhythm. Go back to Matthew 11, verse 28. And I'm going to finish this up. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are what? And carry what? And I'll give you rest. Don't raise your hands, but I wonder how many would say, Kelly, I'm weary. That describes me. 
After two years of this pan pandemic, politics, mandates, our world is living on the edge of weariness. Come on. Exhausted physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And I'm not just talking about non-Christians. I'm talking about followers of Jesus who their spiritual life is on life support. Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary, heavy, carry heavy burdens. What is a burden? Here's my definition of a burden. It is something we carry around emotionally, relationally, spiritually, that we were not designed by God to carry. Kelly, you got any examples? I absolutely do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Anybody got any bills to pay? Debts you worry about? Anybody thinking, man, I'll never be able to retire. I'm going to be working until they put me in the grave. And listen, I'm not talking about people that, because I, I believe this. You, you ought to be responsible with your money. If you're telling me you're blowing it on this and on that, don't come to me asking me to pray, because what I'm going to pray is God show this idiot how to spend their money correctly. That they don't need to go out every night of the week. That they, is that a little too harsh? I'll, no, I'm not going to back up from it. What about expectations? The weight you carry because expectations of people in your life. Worrying about what other people think. Here's another confession. I deal with this almost every week. Man, sitting up here, how's the message going? Am I funny enough? Do they, do they wish I just shut up? Did, did I offend them? Is that why not they're, they're not here today? Is that why I haven't seen them? Well, did I say something? Did I do this? Did I do that? Those are burdens that, I, in fact, man, and I, and I know, guys, I'm taking a little long here, but I want you to get this rest thing. I told the men at the last, I said, God dealt with me earlier this year, or probably not earlier, even maybe a month ago, because I was constantly checking on guys that weren't here. I was constantly chasing them down, and God said, quit. He said, Jesus said two words to the disciples that followed him. Follow me. He didn't say, he didn't say oh, come on, Simon, you got to come back. I know they said this, but they, they didn't mean it. Come on, Peter, don't do this. You got to come back. I know the music was a little too loud, or maybe they didn't talk like you liked about this, but come on back, please. Amen. Jesus said, follow me. And he took 12 people that the Bible says, they turned the world upside down. I just got a feeling we got more than 12 people that are not here to complain and gripe about everything that's not right, but to say, God, line my heart beat up with your rhythm so that we can change the world. Man, let's go. Let's go. Because that wasn't even in my notes. Those are burdens we carry. What about technology? Get this. The average person spends two hours and 22 minutes every day on social media. Then they spend the rest of their day complaining about what they saw or read on social media. <laughs> it is true. And again, I'll raise your hand, but I wonder how many people are living life feeling out like the weight of the world is on their shoulders because of expectations, because of money issues, because of relationship problems. I guarantee you this. There are those that have walked in this room carrying a burden. And that burden is just as real as a pocketbook you said it, you, you carried in, or it's just as real as the chair you're sitting on. It's heavy. 
Jesus says, are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? He says, if that's you, come to me. I've got something for you. You want to see what he's got for you? It's exciting. <laughs> Verse 29. Here it is, guys. Bring that up for me. because I want Take my yoke upon you. Hold on. I just told you I'm weary and I'm tired and you want to put something else on me? No, thank you, Jesus. But Jesus, hey, 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 take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble, gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Take my yoke. That, that, does that not sound odd to anybody else? He says, find rest, but hey, here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I want you to put my yoke, my, my, my weight upon your shoulder. How do you find, how, how, where is the groove and the resting in that? Well, you got to understand what Jesus was talking about. A yoke was this tool that would bind these two animals together, these two ox together to work or plow field. Also, get this, the rabbis and teachers of that time, they would use the term yoke to go yoke of the law, the yoke of the law. So, and so this had been when Jesus said, take this yoke. What they're hearing is the yoke of the law. And while we, we think 10 is a lot sometimes, no. These people were used to 613 laws that they were being told you've got to live by. And they're like, I've already got, oh, great, Jesus, you're going to add even more to what we're supposed to do or not? But Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand my yoke is different. Well, I'm still not getting it. Anybody farm growing up or farming now? Anybody else? What farmers would do is instead of spending a lot of money for two strong, mature, healthy, experienced ox to plow field, here's what they do. If they use the yoke right, they would take one strong, healthy, experienced ox. They would yoke it to a weaker, less experienced ox, and that way they could do the work of two strong ox. How did that work out? Because the larger, the greater, the stronger ox would set the pace for the younger one to go by. You see, the younger one would just hit the gate wide open. And before long, the pace was so strong and so hard, it couldn't do the work. So they said, no, no, no. I'm going to yoke you to a stronger, more experienced ox. It's going to set the pace for you so it can be sustainable. In case you're not getting it, I'm the less experienced, the weaker ox, and so are you. And Jesus saying, if you will yoke yourself to me and allow me to set the pace, your life will be more sustainable. Come on. I'll never forget this. I'm going to hurry, guys, because I know I'm I never forget going Sharon will remember this. Uh, we were at Tacoa Falls in Georgia. And we'll go hiking. Uh, this may be the reason my kids don't hike anymore. I'm not sure. But we got to this place. And it wasn't really hiking, but there was this winding stairs that took you all the way. I mean, it was a lot of stairs. All the way down to see these falls that when you made that walk, you're like, that really wasn't worth it. <laughs> so, but then the kids like, I'll say, I bet I can beat y'all back up the steps. Oh, no, Dad, you're old. And I said, like, I tell you, let's make a bet. So we made this bet, and where they were going to have to do certain works or have to call me King Daddy for a month or something like that. It was just stupid. 
And to this day, my wife still calls me King Daddy. Uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. So <laughs> that's a lie if you know my wife. Uh, but anyway, so I said, okay, let's go, let's do it. So I said, on your mark, let's go. They take off in a full sprint up these steps. You know what I'm doing? I'm walking. We get up to that first little plane where it levels out before it takes you up the next, and they're all on the ground. <laughs> they're like, how's it going, guys? And I kept walking. They were to the point of tears. It's not fair, Dad. It's not fair. <laughs> See, if they let the older, more experienced person set the pace, Instead of thinking, hey, I know how to do it. I can make it on my own. Come on, isn't that what we do? Hey, I can do it. I know. Instead of allowing Jesus to set the pace. Come on, how many? T- how good has that worked out for your life? You doing it on your own at your own pace. Oh, let's get, let's get going. Rhythm, rhythm. We got to set the rhythm, man. Any regular recurring motion. Could anybody use some regular recurring motion? Something that is consistent in your life. Come on. So much about life is unpredictable. Our health, our relationships, job, school, life is good. You're going, you go for a regular doctor checkup and bam, hit with a bad report. You're going along in your marriage and out of nowhere, bam, you're alone. You're hurting. Young people, life is great. Things are good at home. And then you start noticing mom and dad sleeping in separate bedrooms. You take a pill prescribed by a doctor to numb the pain. And then you find yourself neck deep in an addiction 20 years later. Can I, can I do a real, I know we're running a little, can I do a real illustration? If I could get Bob, Drake, and Kramer to come up here for me really quick. Come on up here, guys. Where, where's Bob at? Come on, Bob. Y'all did not know these are professional dancers, did you? I promise it's going to be worth your time. Come on, right here, guys. Just, Right, right here. Yeah, just make it. Now, you can stretch it out, Bob. Stretch it out. Hey, hey, DJ, could you help me out and make sure we pump this music? Help me out back there. Y'all ready? Now, I'm just going to stand over here and watch. Go ahead. Bring it up. Come on, what you got? You got it. You got it. What you got? Find that, find that groove.
guys. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Bob's not going to be able to come out here and play at the end. He's back there sucking air right now. Why we laugh at that? That's life. You find your groove, man, your groove, and then all of a sudden, bam, song changes. And you go, what's going on? So, okay, song changes. I'm, I'm good. Let me find the groove here. Bam, song changes. The rhythm changes again. And you find, you, you find what's going on? What's going on? You're grooving at your job. job. Then, bam, the music changes and you get laid off. You're grooving in life, then bam, you lose someone you love. You're grooving in life, then bam, stage four cancer. You're grooving in life, then bam, your kid is pregnant. You're grooving in life, then bam, the addiction shows up again. You're grooving in life, then the mistakes and the pain from your past rear its ugly head. You're grooving in your life, and then your your wife is rushing you to Sweetwater Hospital where you're throwing up on everybody because you find the groove. And then life throws something else at you. You're grooving in life, and bam, big baby that you expected to bring you joy now brings sadness. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. If you, you need something, anybody needs something constant in your life, unchanging. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the truth. Life changes. Our health changes. Job changes. Relational status changes. But here's the foundation. Jesus never changes. He is constant. He doesn't change. I'm telling you, if we can find ourselves in the rhythm of his grace, the rhythm of his mercy, the beat of his forgiveness, the beat of his acceptance, the beat of his compassion, of his unconditional love, that is the reason that the only true source that we should be tapping into to find our groove is Jesus. And Jesus gives us the invitation. I am closing. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. We're going to read again. Are you tired, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Do you see the rhythm there? Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace because I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Stay close. Abide in me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is inviting us to walk with him, to work with him, to watch how he does it. He invites us to yoke ourselves to him and allow him to set the pace for our lives. For some reason, the reason you can't find your groove is because you're constantly changing it. Your Sunday morning groove is different from your Monday morning school groove. Your Sunday morning groove is different from your Monday work groove, your groove at the gym. So you're constantly changing it to appeal to other people. You have to make a decision to completely surrender yourself and yoke yourself to the rhythm God establishes for your life. A.J. Swoboda 
said this. He said, Sabbath is a scheduled weekly weekly reminder that we are not what we do. Rather, we are who we are loved by. I want to close out the service a little bit different than I usually do. Are you tired, worn out? Realize this, that what you're doing, your Sabbath, it's not it, what it's meant for, to remind you you're not what you do, what you do. You're not how many followers you have. You're not that last, you're not that last mistake. You're not that last thing. No, no, you are who you are loved by. And it reminds us of that.